Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, live from New York. It's Saturday night. <laughs> it's Monday night. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I, I, I filled I filled in the uh, I filled in the blank there. Sorry. Whatever works. But happy to be back in New York for a little bit, Mister Birdsall. How are you? I'm very happy that Christmas is over. Very, very happy. You get excited leading up to Christmas. And then once Christmas is here, you just kind of like, yeah, I want it done. And it's done. It's three days, three days of, of nonstop, nothing for we got Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And then yesterday was my father's birthday. So 72 hours of just mayhem. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. One of my coworkers. Her birthday is on December 26th. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. She's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. It's it's the worst birthday there is. My aunt's birthday, his sister is on the 28th, and she thinks her birthday sucks. I was like, uh, no, you have two days. You have two days to to recover. So, you know, you're, you're, you're chilling, but we get to go back to back to back of just things when Honestly, all I wanted to do yesterday was watch the watch the games on my sofa and not have to do anything. But ended up leaving during halftime of the collective games. The only game that was going on at that point was the Lions and the Falcons, which will we'll get to the wonderful, amazing things that came out of that game. But left during Lions Falcons when that was the only game that was on and was able to get red zone hooked up down at my dad's and missed maybe two minutes of the third quarter collectively from, from, for the other games. So yeah, it was, it was a successful, uh, successful recon mission. And uh, yeah, uh, the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. Get your fucking tickets. I mean, if there's ever, there's ever a day for me to tell everyone to get their fucking tickets. This, this is it. This is it. 56 points, 42 in the first half. That was, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. I was looking at the scores for that game, just check periodically checking out and see what was going on there. And I'm just like, Oh, great. I'm going to hear that. I literally heard your voice in my head saying, get your fucking tickets, get your tickets. The Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. Well, we are going to the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of fact now. Just get your tickets. NFC playoffs could be very exciting. Yeah. Green Bay, Dallas, Tampa, Rams, Cardinals. You have five teams right there that can realistically, in, in all seriousness, you have five teams that can realistically win the NFC just right there. Yep. And in the, in the AFC, it's, it's just the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs and then everybody else. I mean, yeah, because like at this point, I really trust the Bengals. Um, I trust them. I think Burrow's very good, but the Colts maybe. I, I see. I trust the Bengals more than I trust the Colts, because you you can only run the ball so much before the flaws of your quarterback are going to inevitably be exposed. And I think if the Chiefs were to play the Colts the Chiefs would absolutely run them over because the Colts would have to throw and the Colts don't want to throw. They don't. 
They don't want no, Carson Wentz dropping back and throwing 25, 30 times. They, they, that's just not the way that they are set up. It's not the way they're set up. It's not the way that they want they want their offense to, to, to run. They want to hand it off to Jonathan Taylor 35 times. And it'll work in a regular season game, but it won't work in the playoffs. It, it, it just won't. You need to have more of a more of another dimension to to your overall game plan. And, and the Colts are just very one dimensional. Yeah, speaking of Chiefs Bengals, that's going to be a fun game next week. It's going to be a very fun game. It'll be a very fun game. <laughs> Chiefs are going to win. Let's let's not get that mistaken. But yeah, it's going to be a very, very, very fun game. You know what else is going to be a very fun game next week? Before we get a review of the week, you know what else is going to be a very fun game next week? What game? Tom Brady taking on the Jets, of course, where I have Tom oh. Brady and Antonio Brown in a fantasy championship next week. I am just, I'm salivating from the mouth. This is like my dream come true. Just watch out when Bryce Hall shuts down Antonio Brown and then Tom Brady has nobody to throw to. This is what happens when I, I'm a six seed in this league. And the other two times that I've won this league, I've had, I've had the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams stack. Now I have a chance to win it with a Tom Brady, Antonio Brown stack against the New York Jets, who, who also want, brought me to a championship and won me a championship one of those years with Rodgers and Adams when they put up, I believe it was 75 combined points against the Jets in championship week. Yeah, that, that bullshit game again that probably shouldn't have gone to overtime or that some bullshit happened in overtime in that game with pass interference. I remember that game very vividly. One, one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. Jumping up and down. That was that was the year that I beat a 15 and 0 team in the championship as a six seed. Went into, yeah, the, I, went into the playoffs as a seven and seven team. And one I was pretty distraught after that. I was like, oh, seriously, that's this game. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was really cool though to see Sam Darnold go toe-to-toe dueling with Aaron Rodgers. But yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. I know. Can you believe no, Aaron Rodgers has that Aaron beard? Rogers. Oh no, Aaron Rodgers with the beard and the long hair. Oh my God, this is the best version of himself. This is terrific. And like a, the toe issue, and now he's an anti-vaxxer. It's, it was weird, man. Hey, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Man is going to be the number one seed in the NFC, and he's a very good chance to win another Super Bowl. Anybody but Tom Brady. Anybody but Tom Brady. Tom Brady's got a great chance to win the Super Bowl as well. No. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be the Dallas Cowboys. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of business. All right. Well, anyway, let's get into more thoughts it. on the Cowboys, by the way. Talkingpointsports.com. Uh the Cowboys article is up. Wrote that, wrote that at two o'clock in the morning after the uh Cowboys game was over. And uh, a little little preview for the uh, for the article. A uh, an NFL first happened last night during this game. Adam, can you tell me exactly what it is? I know what it is. So Dak Prescott threw a touchdown to a running back, a receiver, an offensive lineman, and another position. Tight end. Tight end. Yep. Zeke. That was the first. Yeah. Zeke, Cooper, Schultz, Steele. First time in NFL history that a quarterback has thrown four touchdowns to each offensive position or offensive yeah. group whatever you want to call it. I saw that the Cowboys tried to copy the Jets trick play that they ran against Miami to horrible results. 
hey, I don't really give a shit. We put up 56 points. What was the last time the Jets put up 56 points? <laughs> I'm just saying that it was a funny thing that happened. I, I guess Kellen Moore is uh, watching Mike LaFleur's game plans. See, from what I've been told, that th- that play was not planned. Really? That was a Cedric Wilson heat of the moment thing that Amari Cooper was just ready for. But it was not, it was not planned. It was just very poor execution of a spur of the moment decision. In what universe do you not do you, you say, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna throw the ball back. Um I again, I don't think it, it wasn't planned from what I understand, but obviously, you know, if you're paying Amari Cooper $20 million a year, he's seen all that's needed to see. And he was in theory ready for a potential lateral or backwards pass, as they say, and just didn't work out. But hey, that's neither here nor there. That's being just so nitpicky, and you're just trying to ruin my moment. That's completely no, I'm okay. Ju- I'm just saying it was a funny just, moment that happened. You're trying to drag me down this deep, dark hallway that the New York Jets are in, but the Jets did win, so I, I can't I can't speak too much ill will about the Jets. Yeah, I mean, this is also a banner week for big guy touchdowns. Yes, it was. And it was a banner banner week, I think, for Zach Wilson as well. That that touchdown run, my jaw was I, I I will be open and honest. My jaw, I needed to pick it up off the ground. That was unbelievable. You know what that touchdown run run reminds me of? It reminds me of the run that Sam Darnold had in twenty in twenty twenty against the Broncos on like the first first or second play. Like it's the game that he broke his shoulder in. Oh, all the false hope. All the fu- well, it was a great run at the time. Do I you mean, really still want is. to compare something that Zach Wilson did to Sam Donald? I'm saying it reminds me of it. Find, something, it all- find something that Zach Wilson did that reminds you of Joe Namath. The worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame, but he's still in the Hall of Fame. Mm, he's still not. He's still not. Maybe he will be one day. Maybe. Doubtful, well, maybe. N- none of the running that Zach Wilson did reminds me of Joe Namath because Joe Namath didn't have knees when he made it to the NFL. Fair point. So he Fair didn't point. really run as much. Fair point. I'll give you that one. And that's not even hyperbole. He just didn't. But, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson was great. And Granted, it was against Jacksonville, but a good game is a good game. Hey, I- I'm not. You're playing I- an NFL team. Yeah, it's an NFL game. It's an NFL game. That's why when people have said to me all day, oh, they put up 56 points against Washington. Washington was being talked about as a bench playoff team. They're still in contention. They're still mathematically in the race. Granted, they are a fucking shit show, but they are in the race. I mean, are you going to say that the, with the Chargers and the Texans that that was just Houston? Oh, it was just Houston? Right, right. You could very easily you could very easily pull what the Chargers did and say, Oh, you lost you lost to Washington. You're not contenders. Then when you beat up on Washington, oh, it's just Washington. Like there, there's no winning in a situation like that. Like the Jets. Like the Jets. Oh, you beat up on Jacksonville. It's Jacksonville. But then if you lose, oh, you lost to Jacksonville. Zach Wilson lost the number one pick, the guy that was taken ahead of him. And it's Jacksonville. So again, it, it just all no win. 
you don't win. You don't win, and it all just kind of is going to play into uh, into whatever argument someone wants to put out there based on whatever narrative they are trying to tell about a specific storyline slash event. Yeah, and then nobody talks about the fact that Zach Wilson beat the Titans, who are going Correct. to the playoffs. Correct. I'll give I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll definitely the, give you that. And the Bengals lost to a to Mike White. Yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow threw for five hundred yards, and they and he couldn't beat the Jets. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I listen. When it comes to the Jets slander, I take every opportunity to roast them when I can. But I agree with almost everything you just said. Almost. Almost. Is it the Almost. part that Joe oh. Namath isn't the worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame? Bingo. Bingo. That's where we disagree. He's the worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame by a lot. Um, before we go into talking about, you know, the fantasy performances, do we just want to get the um, the elephant out of the room now and just talk about the absolute lunacy, madness, ridiculousness that took place on the sideline of the Washington football team last night? Sure. Why not? I mean – <laughs> it's not fancy related, but it's still funny. Well, listen, every, everyone's fucking talking about it, so might as well, might as well. Uh, we just jump in the same bandwagon. Um, so I was watching, and all that went down. And the first thing out of my mouth, the first thing out of my mouth, and I was, I, I said, and Adam, I'm sure you could, you will agree with me, or you'll disagree with me on this one, because we are cut from the same cloth in terms of media professionals. I said. And I quote, if there is a good reporter out there, any good reporter, any good writer, any good whatever, they are doing any digging right now into Jonathan Allen and De'Aaron Payne with their history at Alabama and seeing if there's anything there. And person that will not be named, but knows who he is, challenged me on it and said, no, nah, there's no possible way. Nick Saban wouldn't allow anything like that happening in his program. And literally five minutes later, Michelle Tafoya said, oh, yeah, there's there's some history between the two of them in Alabama. I looked at said person. I was like, you think I know my industry? Yeah. I mean, Any, I completely uh, agree with you. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just it, it's what we do. You have an angle and you have the angle. That's exactly. It. Exactly. You have a potential story right here that you could write about for the next fucking week. And now you do some digging and you talk to whomever you talk to that could be a connect with Alabama and you're going to find some, sh- you're going to find some dirt. Of course you are. And to say that, listen, I'm the biggest Nick Saban stand around, but to say that a Nick Saban football program where it is the elite of the elite is going to be completely clean. There's nothing going to be in there. That's going to be potentially damning. That's just, that's ridiculous. Because that's it's with every team, whether it's college or professional. There's always some shit that has happened. Maybe not necessarily the coach is familiar of or should take note of, but between players, it happens all the time. It's heat of the moment. It's in competition. They got killed on Tuesday. They were getting killed in this game. And shit just boiled over. It, it, it boiled over. And listen, I'm not saying it's a good look by any means because it's, it, it's a terrible look. For, for Washington, but at the same time, you know, and I guess this kind of goes to uh, the conversation that I was having about uh, whether or not I know my shit, it's, it's the easiest layup of all time. It's the easiest thing in the world that someone's going to see that and 
here comes the speculation. Here comes the digging. Here comes everything that's associated with trying to figure out what was said, why it happened, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm shocked that, no- that nothing more has really come out of it that's been like in-your-face news. I mean, people are trying to figure out what was said, different sport, but people are trying to figure out what was said when Artemi Panarin threw a glove at Brad Marchand. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think most people know. Well, we do now, but yeah. we didn't know at the time. At the time, correct. Correct. We, we, we didn't know at the time, but now, now we are uh, very, very aware of, uh, of, of what was said. And, you know, Artemi did what Artemi could do. And that was throw a glove at Brad Marchand. By the way, I, I did get an Artemi Panarin uh, Adidas sweater for, uh, for Christmas. And I am stoked, stoked about it. Mazel tov. No, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you two things before we move into fantasy. Give you two things that I got. So I got a Tammy Panarin home jersey. I got, let me just pull it out. And this is terrible, terrible radio. I apologize, but. Ooh, and a monitor. Nice little monitor. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we may, uh, we may be changing the, uh, the work setup a little bit. I'm also getting a new desk, which will be grand. I got a shit ton of Amazon gift cards. So. We're going to change the whole setup here, make it more of a, more of a professional setup. And I got a Bukayo Saka Arsenal home kit to go with my Emil Smith Rowe Arsenal away kit. So, you know, you know how the song goes, Adam. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Whoa. Whoa. whoa here we go. Oh, come on. I'm filling, filling the rest of the words. No. Saka and Evans with Adam, I'm not. I'm not an Arsenal fan. I don't care. Adam, we're fourth in the table. We're we're fourth. We're in the Champions League. Man United dropped points to Newcastle. To Newcastle, they dropped points. I know. Isn't it great? This is fantastic. Everyone wants Arsenal back in the Champions League. Even Manchester United do. Up the Reds. Great, great people. Great people. Um, we're six points clear. Hey, you could win the league. I I don't care. I'll t- I'll take that classic Arsene Wenger fourth place trophy. Hell yeah, absolutely. Give me all of that. So United, United right now are, they have two matches in hand on us, and they are sitting at twenty eight points. Tottenham have three matches in hand, and they are sitting at twenty nine points. So. Whoever Tottenham is playing with their three games in hand, up them. Up them because fuck Tottenham. What do we think of Tottenham? Shit. What do we think of shit? Tottenham. Thank you. That's all right. We ain't Tottenham. 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 We are Tottenham. Haters. Okay. You want to, uh, you want to get into the, uh, to the lowdown here? Yes. But actually, I do have one more thing yeah, sure. about that, uh, the punching that happened. Yeah, sure. You know, that kind of reminded me of Buddy Ryan sucker punching Kevin Gilbride. Yes. Yes. That is very familiar. And it's only, only being two players who have a lot of pent up aggression and, and energy. And, you know, you can understand why they're actually playing the game. It's. 
between two old white guys who are not playing the game. No, but they do have a lot of uh, pens up aggression and anger. Buddy Ryan, yes. Buddy or at least Ryan, one yes. of one of them did. Ke- the only thing that uh, Kevin Kevin Gilbride was was good at is was uh, being his alter ego, the world famous, world renowned Kevin Kildrive. What a phenomenal nickname! Whoever came up with that, honestly, they, they deserve a medal. They deserve a medal. It, it really is one of the best nicknames around. I absolutely love it. Actually, the funny thing is, you know, completely unrelated, but I guess we are. It is related because we're talking about offensive coordinators. This is my yearly reminder that Brian Schottenheimer is still in the league. What the fuck? Why is this man still here? Well, he was one of the uh, he was one of the guys that Urban Meyer uh, asked, and I quote, "What credentials do you have?" Would you like to fill in that 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 uh, question for Urban Meyer, Adam? Uh, yeah, well, that's a pretty understandable question asking him to. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. That was right. one of the things that Urban Meyer actually may have gotten right. Brian Schottenheimer's job when he was with the Jets was to tell Mark Sanchez to hand the ball off. And that was basically it. Pretty much, pretty much. And he perfected that art. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of what actually goes into being a professional quarterback, yeah, not so much. He, he was not a good offensive coordinator. Not nothing, nothing like his father. All right. Well, anyway, let's get into Joe Burrow. I mean, what a what a turnaround for these Bengals going from last season to this season. They they've looked like a completely different team. Joe Burrow has looked amazing. And this is against Baltimore. Yeah, but Baltimore have been banged up in their set in their secondary. I mean, obviously, we've talked about a thousand times on, on this program and on the mailbag as well that when they lost Marlon Humphrey, it just seems like the whole identity of what the Baltimore Ravens are just kind of completely went out the window. But that's just, I'm not going to even try to discredit what Joe Burrow did. 525 yards, the third most passing yards in a game ever in NFL history behind Warren Moon and Norm Van Brocklin, I believe, is uh, in, in number one. Wow. Norm I, Van Brocklin. I believe, LA Rams. Wow. I believe. I think so. I believe so. that that is that was uh, the number one um, on the on the list. But uh, any any of course he joins in an elite, an elite class of quarterbacks that have thrown for five hundred plus yards. Namely, of course, one Tony Romo, great guy, absolutely love the man. Yeah, but Tony Romo lost when he did that. Yeah, he lost to a classic Tony Romo pick. It was in classic Tony Romo fashion, but that's okay. That's okay. It happens. But yeah, Burrow was he, outstanding. Gets a home date next week with the Chiefs. You should expect a lot of points again. And I think Joe Burrow will probably be a top 12 option for me uh, come next week. I start, I started the ranks. Um, I have not finished said ranks. But, um, yeah, if you want more um, more in-depth stuff, TalkingPointSports.com. Fans Takeaways article will be out on Tuesday. And then the Start Sit article, The Bird's Nest, will be out on Thursday. And then, of course, Adam and I will have more uh, of the preview. And then the mailbag this week. So, Adam, sorry, it's our last, it's our last hurrah. Indeed. So, apparently, you forgot somebody. I did. In your uh, quarterbacks who were thrown for more yards. Warren Moon. Yes. Norm Van Brocklin. And Norm Van Brocklin, yeah. The legend, 
the pick six legends, Matt Schaub. Oh, Matt Schaub. Yes, that was the other one. That was the other one. Yes, I, I do recall. I do recall my kid brother saying that yesterday. Yes, 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 yes. That is, that is correct. I apologize to Matt Schaub that I that I forgot about you. Do I just do sincerely, just sincerely, sincerely apologize. But so fun fact, fun fact here. Um, the one semifinal that I was in, I actually went up against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Interesting. So Matt Schaub threw his. Sorry, he threw his uh, five hundred twenty-seven yards against Jacksonville in an overtime win, 43-37. to 37. Is that like 2009? 2012. 2012. 2012. I was close. Very close. Very, very, very close. But, yes, I did go up against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in a fantasy semifinal and lived to tell about it. It was actually one of the better scoring matchups that I had seen and ended up we're done. There's nobody else going tonight. I have officially won uh, 175 points to 161 points. A very, very close affair. So, had to sweat it out a little bit. This game is nonsense. I'm looking at the stats lot, the stat line for this Jacksonville uh, Texans game. You know who the leading receiver? Okay, first of all, Andre Johnson had 273 receiving yards on 14 catches and a touchdown. Jeez. The leading receiver for Jacksonville was one Justin Blackman. Wow. Seven catches, 236 receiving yards and a touchdown. Sheesh. What was and was who was the quarterback for Jacksonville? Was it wasn't Garrard, was it? No. Was it the boat? Who's the boat? Blake? No. No, it wasn't it wouldn't have been Blake. Blake was 2014. 2012. He played for the Dolphins. Journeyman quarterback. Not my guy smoking Jay Cuddy. He never played for Jacksonville. Not Fitz. No. Fitz never played for Jacksonville. Yeah, Fitz either. never played for Jacksonville. I'm trying to think. Journeyman quarterback. You're gonna like you're gonna smack your head when you hear this guy's name. No, no, no. Don't. Was he, was he a former first-round pick? Am I asking too much? Well, honestly, I don't know. But he's still in the much? NFL. He's still in the league. Yep. Is it Matt Moore? Very close. I don't think Matt Moore will ever play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, he didn't. I'm just trying to think of guys that played for the Dolphins that could fill, fill in the blank. Very close to Matt Moore. I'm trying to, now I'm trying to think of a guy's name, Matt. Matt Barkley? No, not that, not that close. Not that, not in that way. They play for the same team. Or he plays for the same team that Matt did last year. Plays for the same team that Matt did last year. Huh. I I I, I don't I don't have anything. It's Chad Henney. It was Chad Henney. Yep. Jesus. Yeah, I'm really, I'm smacking my head at that one. Jesus. Wow. Chad Henney. Have a day. Chad Henney. 16 Chad Henney for versus Matt Schaub. Wow. Looking I know. At, looking back at that one nine years later, what an underwhelming matchup that was. Except it was 43 to 37. And Except it was Chad, 80 combined points. Except, and Chad Henney went 16 of 33 for 354 yards and four touchdowns. 
and Matt Schaub threw for 527 yards, five touchdowns, and two picks. Points, points, points. Even in the year of our Lord, 2012. Yep. And Justin Blackman had like the biggest game of his career in that game as well. So it's weird. Weird how it works out. And he was going to be good. He was going to be good. I, I thought Justin Blackman would have would have been a uh, would have been a thing. Wayne Gabbert was also made it. He also made an appearance in this game. He went two for two for twenty four yards and had a sack fumble. <laughs> Love Blaine. Love Blaine. Great guy. Anyway, so yeah, that's a fun trip down memory lane. Literally. Literally. I did not think I'd be going on today. But, uh, yeah, so Joe Burrow did really well. And to quote the bird's nest, Dak is back. Dak is back, baby. He was he was sensational and only needed to do it for three and a half quarters. Loved it. I loved being able to see my guy, Dak Prescott, able to open up the Washington football team, 42 points in the first half for Dallas and then be able to sit the uh, rest of the game. Unfortunately for his fantasy managers, I don't know uh, if they really wanted that so much, but hey, he gave you 30 points. If you needed, if you needed more than that from, from Dak, odds are you weren't probably winning to begin with. I would be so, mad about that. No, no, 30 points, QB2 in the week. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. That's, uh, that's more than you can ask for from Dak, given the uh, – given the six plus weeks that, that he's had, this is the bounce back that he, he desperately needed in, in, in a big way. And now Dak gets, uh, he got that extra quarter and a half of rest and uh, they can start preparing for what is the biggest game of their season against Arizona next Sunday in Jerry's world. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be a very good game be a very 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 good game cardinals are reeling dallas is flying at the moment so it's really gonna be a battle of strengths isn't it offense for the cardinals versus the defense of uh, of the cowboys and which one is gonna is gonna bend yes exactly definitely definitely and it's gonna be huge for playoff implications as well because if dallas wins then they could be leapfrogging the uh, Cardinals. They have the head-to-head advantage as well. So, yeah. They need to win, Dallas. Need, they, they, they need to win because if with the Jets playing, uh, with the Bucks playing the Jets, you know, they're going to get the win there. I, I just want to go on record and say that I don't think the number one seed is going to be obtainable for Dallas given that the Packers have the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. And I believe all Green Bay needs to do is win against the Vikings for them to clinch the number one seed in the NFC. So, hey, if if they are if they're able to lose to Minnesota, I would love that. If they get the win, then it's just a matter of Dallas keeping pace and making sure they get that home playoff game versus uh, Tampa if it does come down to that because I think they have a better chance against Tampa at home than they would against Tampa on the road. So one thing that we definitely missed, and it's not just us, it was you and Jake on the mailbag because we didn't know, Josh Johnson 
being thrust into starters duty with the Baltimore Ravens, with Tyler Huntley being put on the COVID list and Lamar Jackson being basically ruled out. And I mean, listen, Josh Johnson did okay. He performed very well. Performed very well for the for the situation that he was in. I mean, he looked he looked very good for the Jets against the Colts when he came on in relief for for Mike White. He did. And, you know, he, he looked, he looked impressive enough here as well. Um, you know, whether or not he's going to continue in this role, probably not, because I would imagine that if Lamar Jackson does not return uh, in week 17, then it's going to be Tyler Huntley who should be able to uh, make it back from uh, the, the, the COVID list. So at the very least, it looks like it'll be Huntley for week 17. And if it's not Huntley, then it's, then it's going to be Lamar. And then, you know, Josh Johnson, is is not a thing anymore but yeah he filled in the role admirably i don't think a lot of people um were were starting him unless you were in uh the the deepest uh two quarterback formats but um yeah yeah overall the top 10 top 10 performance on the week for 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 josh johnson and and yeah he was he was solid yeah and also i think are you worried at all about some of the bigger names just not really performing up to standard. You know, you're in a semifinal and you're relying on guys like Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, even Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson. Like how, about those... how, about, how about Matthew Stafford? Yeah, Matthew Stafford. I did see something somewhere on Twitter that said that uh, Matthew Stafford has historically had horrible times traveling to Minnesota. And, you know, I'm kind of believing that now. I believe there was also um, the same sort of stat or or discussion when he took on uh, Green Bay in Green Bay that he historically had not been very good in Green Bay, but ended up putting uh, 23 fantasy points on them. But I'm not necessarily too concerned about about Stafford all that much. It's a down week uh, for him, for sure. I believe it was his lowest point total of the season. Yes, five five point eight, and has a road matchup against Baltimore next week, who just allowed Joe Burrow to do what Joe Burrow did to them. So uh, I'm not remotely concerned about Stafford. I'm not necessarily concerned about Brady. Again, he's got a nice matchup next week too against the Jets. So I, I'm not, I'm not worried about Brady. I'm starting him next week with a, with a fair amount of confidence. If you started Tannehill, I think you kind of, you kind of asked for the line that you get. I mean, 14 from Tannehill. I mean, it's not, it's not awful, but it's not great either. Jalen Hurts. We talk about Jalen Hurts all the time. You know what you get. The number for me that's concerning with Jalen a little bit is only two rushing attempts, and that's the foundation for everything that Jalen Hurts does. Granted, it was a blowout in the second half. The Eagles put up 31 points in the Giants in the second half of that game. Jake Fromm just fell apart, and they went back to Mike Glennon, and and Mike Glennon did what Mike Glennon is, is best at and just be mediocre at best. Uh, Jalen Hurts. There was another performance from Jalen Hurts where it was like it didn't it didn't break you necessarily, but was it exactly what you wanted to see? No, not really. Herbert, I'm not really worried about it. Just it's a, it's a down week, but 
yeah, not what you really were expecting against Houston. He was my number one quarterback coming into the week and only put up 16 points against Houston. So it was just a dud really all, all around for, uh, for Herbert, Russell Wilson. You just kind of, you get what you get with him at this point. But, um, I, you know, outside of that, I think the guys that I'm most concerned about are all the ones that I said, it's probably, and I, I'm not going to even include Kirk Cousins in this out of the main names. Probably the guy I'm most concerned about is out of Brady, Stafford, Hertz, Herbert. Probably Hertz is what I'm most concerned about, but it's not much. It's not much. I, I don't think, I think these are all like anomaly kind of performances from, from each of these guys. Yeah, well, I think the thing that I'd be worried about with Jalen is that he's going up against Washington. And if the Eagles blow the doors off of Washington, and it's the same deal where Jalen Hurts doesn't have to run as much, I think we might get a similar kind of stat line. Well, in week 15, in week 15 alone, he had two rushing touchdowns against this, these, that same Washington team. So he, he needs the rushing. He needs the rushing for him to be productive because it's, it's very clear and very obvious that he's just not going to do it consistently with his arm. And, you know, if he's only going to be rushing two times, those two times better be two touchdowns or one touchdown if he's going to return any, any sort of value. So, yeah, I, I do agree. But there's there is history. There is recent history in uh, in his matchup with Washington to, to suggest that Jalen Hurts should have a, a somewhat good day for fantasy managers that are in fantasy championships. Uh, this weekend yeah and Washington is terrible against quarterbacks and we yes. we know this they they yes. are terrible yeah they are they are very 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 bad against quarterbacks I believe if I remember correctly they are I think they're dead last against quarterbacks they are dead, I'm not, they I'm are not dead mistaken last. yeah okay yeah I I, I knew I wrote about this I wrote about that this week. I just couldn't remember if if they were last or if they were second to last, but they were bottom of the barrel. Uh, they're, uh, they're allowing an average of 21.4 points to quarterbacks. Jesus. Jesus. And what, well, here's, here's a question. I don't know if you can, uh, if you can look this, look this up. I, what, what is their average in relation to the rest of the league? Because I would think that their the league average would probably be somewhere around what 16, 17, 18 points, somewhere around there. So the great thing is for those of you that use ESPN fantasy, and you can look at what your opponent rank is against that position. If you click on the number, yeah. you can actually see that's where I'm looking, that's where I'm getting the stat. Oh, it shows the actual average in the in the league average. Yes. And it also shows oh. you. The- it shows oh, you the I game logs. I, Adam, you taught me something today. I did yep. not know that. It also shows you the game logs throughout the season. So I can see, like, uh, the amount of points that Washington gave up to all of the quarterbacks throughout the season thus far. Yes, I, I do I do know that. But our, hopefully our listeners know that as well. If they don't, then you, talk, you definitely taught them something. But I did not know that they had the average points that they allowed the position in the league average on there, on there as well. And I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now and it is 16. Yep. 16.1. I'm just a genius. What can I say? But I, I honestly, I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, maybe a lot of that was buoyed by 
Josh Allen just taking his dick out against them in week three? Because he did. Wonder where he got that line from. Well, listen, it's a give and take kind of relationship. Our co, our host and co-host, Fair. deal. Fair. It's a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, a symbiotic relationship. It is symbiotic. Okay, good, good. I use that. I use that right too. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Look at I me. Mean, there, there was a four week stretch between weeks two, three, four, and five, where they it was they allowed twenty eight point five points against the Giants. 38.8 against the Bills, 29.0 against Atlanta, and 27.7 against New Orleans. Christ. Yeah. That's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So start start Jalen Hurts next week with with, uh, with a good amount of confidence. Yeah. I mean, especially if you, if you saw what the Washington defense allowed Dak Prescott to do. Yes. And that's – well, the average isn't updated yet to this week. But, um, yeah, because it hasn't – because, like, if you look at the the game log, it's not updated. Like, Dallas's um, stat line for Week 16 is not updated yet. But you'll see. But now now you know. I mean, unfortunately, I'm telling you about this with a week to go in the fantasy season. But – Better late than never. It's good to know. Better late than never. Um, if we go on to the running backs, I have a quick little story for uh, for everybody. So um, I, as you are well aware, I was in the semifinal, same spot where I had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase against me and Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson and Amari Cooper. Oh, I'm so sorry. 161 points. I won. I won. Oh, the problem. The problem is I would have lost if my little brother started Justin Jackson over Alexander Madison or Jeff Wilson. Wow. 176 flat for me, 161.2 for him. Jeff Wilson put up 14.7, Alexander Madison 16 flat. Justin Jackson, 34.2. He starts Justin Jackson, he wins. Unbelievable. And what's so funny, I'll give you a quick story before we go a little bit more in depth here. So I have my, my Sunday morning tradition. I, I, I go on, I do, I set my lineups, I sit on the couch, I watch uh, fantasy shows on, on, on TV. And they were talking about Justin Jackson. And he, he was walking in as they were talking about Justin Jackson. I was like, oh no, oh no, don't. Don't, 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 no, 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 no. I don't want, I don't want him getting in this information. So I was going to change the channel, but I was like, oh, that would be too obvious. So I let it, I let it go. I just let it go. And I was like, please, God, please, God, please, God, don't process any of this. One o'clock, look at his lineup, still Amari Cooper in at the flex. I was like, yes, thank God, thank God. Well, that's a fun story. Made by day. Made by day. It's even more impactful and funny because it's your brother. Yes. Yeah. And I and I have and I have to say his team, his team is very good. Very, very, very good team. Well, yeah, his, you just read it off. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. 
and he his record he was number one seed number one seed 11 and three wow i've taken out an 11 and three team him and then i took out a nine and five team and in the championship i'm playing a 10 and four team there you go we're just we're slaying the dragons here this is what we do yep yep it's what we do Kind of a weird looking top 10. If you uh, kind of a weird looking top five, honestly, uh, aside from Joe Mixon, Damian Harris and Nick Chubb. I mean, listen, Justin Jackson, we figured that he was going to have a good game because the chargers are a great offense, but I don't think anybody expected this. And in a losing effort in a losing, in a losing effort, effort that also. And then Rex Burkhead, like who, who could have imagined Lex hit, for him to put up 149 rushing yards, have two touchdowns? No, not me. Not me. If I, I'm, I'm being very honest, because I love you people, you're all wonderful people. If I had foreseen Rex Burkhead having 149 yards, I would have told you. I would have told you. I No, I did not see that one coming. Granted, granted, the Chargers' run defense has been terrible the last few weeks specifically. So I see where the big game came from. I but again, too. But again, as Adam so eloquently pointed out, Rex Burkhead, like, are you fucking me? Did not, did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. Um. Did not see Joe Mixon having a big day against Baltimore coming. Granted, Jake did point this out on the mailbag, and uh, he's a, he was 100% right that when I ranked Joe Mixon as like a top 15, top 20 guy, he always seems to want to make me look bad. So my son, my child, I apologize. I love you endlessly, and I will never, ever doubt you again. Can't wait to take you next year and for you to absolutely screw me. Can't wait. And that but, is against the Baltimore team that is actually pretty solid against the run. Yeah, they're very good against running backs. That's the strong. That's the strong part of their defense. That, yeah, they're at all, they're allowing an average of twenty one point two points to running yeah. backs. Yes. Yeah, and and I mean, granted, if we if we look at Joe Mixon with what he did on the ground, it really wasn't that impressive of a day. And there are underlying metrics that suggest that Joe Mixon has not been that great over the last four weeks has not averaged more than 3.6 yards per carry over the last four weeks, but he's scoring. He, he, he is scoring. So that's what matters. And the reception numbers, they were up had his had six catches in this game season high for him, which absolutely helped in a blowout in a blowout. He still was able to record six catches and obviously the receiving touchdown also helped. So if Joe Mixon was in your lineups, um, he absolutely uh, made made good with the, with that start. Before we go on to any more running backs, um, well, wait, I, I I have something for you. Yeah, go ahead. We're getting a f- I'm getting a fair bit of plosives from you. Oh, plosive. You, you don't know plosive. Man, we really didn't learn anything when we were at Hofstra. Plosive, no, you're popping your peas and oh, your bees. Like, yeah, those are called plosives. Well, I will. I will. I will try and manage my plosives. There we go. There it is again. 
explosives. I, I oh, God, I just, gotta, I just gotta keep repeating, repeating my P's or trying to speak slowly and try and be softer with or, my letters. <laughs> or you could just move the mic further away from your mouth. I could. I could, I could, but then again, I only have so much space on my desk, which is why I absolutely need a new desk. But before we move on to anything else, Adam, I do have something for you. Okay. Before we talk about any remaining running backs, we have a minute, a minute to discuss this news. I was going to, well, I was going to talk about how, I was going to talk about something with Joe Mixon, but... We will talk about Joe Mixon shortly. Okay. We have 60 seconds to talk about this, and then we move on. U.S. men's hockey has hired David Quinn as their head coach at the Olympics. I saw that. I was like, oh, well, they're going to lose. Your thoughts, please. Um, well, I hope that you experience the same thing the Rangers, experience, the Rangers fans experience, where we don't know what the lines are <laughs> <laughs> throughout the entire game. <laughs> Well, I could tell you that the average the average height of the fourth line is probably going to be 5'10", 5'11". If it's uh, anything like the Rangers does. Yes, and I'm excited for him to just misuse players all the time. And then if they oh, make one little, one little mistake to just throw them on the fourth line, very excited for that. Yep, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm, I'm so, so excited. Yep. So excited. I'm excited for Shane Wright to be on the fourth line because he didn't back check. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Did it, didn't show any effort. Didn't show any effort in the doghouse. Shane Wright, our best, our best damn player. Oh, sorry. Fourth line didn't back check against, uh, against uh, Japan. Yeah. Against, against China. There you go. Against China. If they even have a, if they even have a men's hockey team in, in this Olympics, I don't know if they do. They probably do, but I, I'm just, unfamiliar okay joe mixon go ahead so i was gonna say it's kind of funny because so you i remember you talked in the mailbag about how joe mixon historically uh, struggles against baltimore and then joe mixon has an incredible game against the ravens and he he historically struggled against all teams in his division before this year yeah because i was gonna say before joe mixon's game against pittsburgh the last game that he played against pittsburgh uh, in week 12, you said, oh, Joe Mixon historically struggles against the Steelers. And then he went and scored 32 points, which was his season high. Yep. Oh, I'm I'm keenly aware. And the same sort of thing against Cleveland this year. He hasn't played his second game against Cleveland yet. But, um, Joe, yeah. Joe answer- Mixon has actually been good against Cleveland. So watch, Joe Mixon's going to be terrible against Cleveland. Watch. Yeah, well, Joe Burrow wasn't great against Cleveland, so I guess it makes sense that Joe Mixon was good against Cleveland. Makes sense. It makes it does make a uh, a lot of sense. Um, all right, you want to talk about the uh, the Rams situation? We did we did actually get some questions about about the uh, about the Rams and and what to do with Sony Michelle, Darrell Henderson, and um, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, sorry, I just your boy. I, I blush when I think about him. He just makes me so unequivocally happy when I think of my son, 
Cam, my child. He's back, Adam. He's coming back. Aren't you so excited? Are you starting Cam Akers in a fantasy championship? Um, he may not play in, in, in a fantasy championship, but I would love to see him. Because I, I all seriousness, I, I I have a keeper decision that I have to make, R.E. Cam Akers, and I would really love to be able to see Cam Akers before I go into the offseason, not knowing about what he what he looks like before uh, before I make a keeper decision on him uh, in August. So, yeah, I'd, so the- I would love to see my son back. <laughs> right. So for the Rams, I mean, Sonny Michelle, ever since Darrell Henderson was first put on the COVID list, um, Sonny Michelle has been pretty good, pretty solid, handling the bulk of the uh, carries for the Rams. Another oh, – my voice just cracked. That was weird. <laughs> Sa- sounds very sexy. No, it doesn't. Uh, Sonny Michelle is in for another rough matchup, you know, a tough matchup against Baltimore, who, I mean, it's a bit, it'll probably be a bit different now. They'll be a bit lower ranked because of what Joe Mixon just did, but Baltimore came into this week as the 10th best team against the run for running or best team against running backs as far as fantasy is concerned. So, yeah. And I think, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting situation. You really have to monitor and see what's going on with Darrell Henderson. Because I think if both of them are healthy, then it's not going to be a good situation for you because both of them are healthy. If one of them is not healthy, then it's fine. But if both of them are healthy, then no bueno. So, so a couple of things I want to say. So um, apparently Darrell Henderson is not healthy. Apparently Darrell Henderson has a knee injury that he is dealing with. That's what I, uh, what I have heard and what I understand. So it's a knee sprain. Yes. Yes. So that, that explains why Sony Michelle got 26 carries to Darrell Henderson's one. Do I think that because of this knee sprain that they decide that they bring Cam Akers back? Honestly, I don't know. That would be pretty ludicrous. That would be so hasty. I wouldn't be a fan of it. No, I, I wouldn't either. I, w- I wouldn't either. I really would love, love to see Michelle in this backfield by himself for one week. And then depending on what it looks like with standings in, in the NFC, if the, if, the, if the Rams need to be playing guys in week 18 when they take on, I believe it's the Niners. Yes, it's a, it is against the Niners uh, at home. You know, if they, if they need to pull guys for – for that game, then, then they do it. Then if, if they, if they are playing for something, then, then maybe you bring Cam Akers back for, for week 18. But the number one thing that I do want to see is Cam Akers playing, but it looks like at the very least, Sony Michelle is going to have somewhat of a stranglehold on this, on this backfield. And anybody, anybody that's held on to Sony Michelle, you've, you've been able to uh, strike a little bit of gold with, uh, with this one. Cause he's, uh, he's, he's a lottery been, ticket. He's been quite impressed. He, the ultimate lottery ticket that, that that's panned off, and this is this is exactly what we've talked what we talk about when it comes to lottery tickets. It's these the, there's certain guys that you just have to be really really patient with 
And Sony Michelle really like he pushed the brink of the boundary of what patience is. And he is definitely returning value for any of fantasy managers that have really been super, super patient uh, with him because he's delivering the goods now. Yeah. I mean, if anything, Sony Michelle was a handcuff for Darrell Henderson, but yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, I know that I drafted Sony Michelle on a spot by himself. I, I honestly, I genuinely thought that Sony Michelle was a better running back than Darrell Henderson. I mean, it's a tough, that's a tougher decision. That's a tougher call as far as keeping him. Cause your argument, if you have Darrell Henderson for keeping Sony Michelle is he's the handcuff. Mm-hmm. If anything happens to Darrell Henderson, Sony Michelle is there. And Correct. Sony Michelle is in, in, in a great yeah. spot to produce. Yes. Honestly, it's crazy though, because he was terrible. He was god awful with New England when he was in, when he was there. Different system though. Different system yeah. where I think the, the head coach of the team is definitely more um, I guess the word is innovative than than what they had in, in Green Bay, which was very uh, Green Bay in New England, which was very um, I guess conservative, I guess is the word. Well, I mean, conservative, I guess, would be one way to put it. The fact that they just didn't – Sonny Michel was never the guy. It was always three guys. It was Sonny Michel. It was James White. It was Rex Non-committal. Burkhead. Non-committal is the word. Yeah. Indecisive. Indecisive. That's much better. Thank you, Adam. So another running back story is from that Jet game. And I mean, first of all, Michael Carter looks amazing. Love Michael Carter franchise. Next, he's the next coming of Curtis Martin. But besides that, James Robinson, oh, poor James Robinson. Oh, the man cannot catch a break. I feel no. so bad. I feel so bad. Now he just started to look good after Noah Meyer. I think Irvin Meyer put a little bit of a hex on him or something. But yeah, he is going to be out for the rest of the season at the very least and probably carrying into next season as well. So anybody in longer term leagues that has Travis Etienne, they are just smiling from year to year at this. And who knows what's the deal, what the deal is going to be with Travis Etienne with that foot injury. If that like if that's going to eat into next season. All, all signs are, poor, are pointing to him being ready for, for training camp. Well, that's good. But that's what I, I that's what I understand. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, if you're counting on James Robinson in your fantasy championships, and you're thinking about going to Ogie, I don't know, man. Nope, nope, don't do it. Don't do it. There, there are way better options out there. Yeah, I mean, Rashad Penny would still qualify for the waiver show if he still did the waiver show. He is owned in 44.1% of leagues. Perfect. Go pick up Rashad Penny. And he has, he has a great matchup next week, too, versus the Lions. Great matchup. Rashad Penny probably will be a top 20 play for me this week. And I may yeah. I may start Rashad Penny in, the fan, in, in this fantasy championship over Javante Williams. I'm considering it. Really? Yes. That's interesting. Yes. I mean, I get it because Rashad Penny's the guy and, you know, with Javante Williams, that offense is kind of ever since Teddy Bridgewater got injured, that offense has been very lackluster pass heavy. That too. Pass heavy. I, I mean, Javante I... Williams has PPR upside, but like still it's not enough. 
no, it's not enough. I need I need the guy who is going to give me uh, more than more than ten carries and is going to be in all likelihood a, a, a great option to score, especially against Detroit. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm talking myself into uh, into Penny, into Penny. I uh, I really am. Um, and then if I mean another option too, if you're uh, looking for a little bit of a pivot from James Robinson. It looks like Clyde edwards Lair is going to be out a couple weeks. So here comes the Darrell Williams bandwagon all over again. Uh, Darrell Williams would be a must-add for any uh, any managers going into week 17 that need a running back, especially those that lost James Robinson if they're still alive. Yeah, I mean, even what's the viability you think of Derek Gore? Because it seems like he's getting like a big he's, – he's, he's being a factor in the offense, or is this just because the Chiefs were blowing out Pittsburgh? I'd rather Williams. I'd rather Williams over Gore. Well, let's say because Darrell Williams is owned in 60.3% of leagues currently on wow, ESPN. He's, he is that high of a percentage still. Yeah. Well, I guess it's a handcuff thing. But huh. Interesting. Very interesting. So if he is owned. That's in, way higher than I thought it would be. If he's owned in your league, like would Derek Gore be a potential ad for you? Depends on league size. It really depends on league size. Like if if you're in like a 12 team league, like a standard 12 team league. Hmm. That's a really tricky one. I would say yeah. Yeah. I don't know how comfortable I would be starting him though. That's what I think the biggest question is is what would I start him? Probably not. Like I would look – I would probably look for Jordan Howard before you look at um, Derek Gore. I would look at Jordan Howard. I would look at Kenny Gainwell. I would look at Boston Scott before you're looking at, at Derek Gore because now we know Miles Sanders is not going to play. So it looks like it's going to be a next man up sort of thing um, in Philadelphia. My gut says it's going to be Jordan Howard. So that, well, that would if Jordan that would Howard be the guy plays, that I would go for. If Jordan Howard plays, because he's also dealing with an injury and he's dealing with a neck injury. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. I mean, Nick Sirianni said that uh, Jordan Howard could play on Sunday, depending on how quickly he recovers from the stinger he suffered in week 16. Oh, it's a stinger? Uh, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that... just what this person said. EJ Smith of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah, I heard. I had heard it was an upper body injury for Howard. I just didn't know what it was. But a stinger, yeah, those are tricky. Those are tricky because that could either be a weak injury or it could be a two, three week injury. So I still would be on the Howard bandwagon, probably. But just, you know, be mindful of Boston Scott because I think if it's not Howard, it's probably Boston Scott. Honestly, I think Boston Scott would be the guy. For me, even I think even if uh, Jordan Howard isn't, I don't know, uh, not for me, not for me. My 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 gut just kind of tells me that they like they like the size that Jordan Howard brings to the table, especially on first, second down, short yardage. But if you're looking for a PPR upside guy, then Boston Scott is is your guy, like Adam is is, is suggesting. Because it, it just seems like Boston Scott, like they've been giving him the ball more. Well, when, he, Joe, he, when Miles he, Sanders has been out, 
he outcarried Jordan Howard, but Jordan Howard had nine carries. Jordan Howard was getting the work after Miles Sanders exited, but then Jordan Howard exited and then it became Boston Scott. Yeah. Pretty much exclusively because I, I don't, and I could be very wrong about this, but I don't think Kenny Gainwell recorded a touch in this game. I think it was Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and that was it. Okay, he recorded one touch. He had one catch for six yards. Okay, yeah, I just I did not remember seeing Kenny Gainwell in this game at all. So my mistake, my mistake. If if that's something that's going to hold over my head that I missed Kenny Gainwell remember, a catch for six yards. I don't think anybody's going to care. I mean, you remember when we were hyping up Kenny Gainwell as the as like the next J.K. Dalvins? Was just waiting in the wings. Oh, we had that hope, didn't we? Yeah, had that hope. Okay. He has been terrible. I know. Every day, I regret trading James Robinson for Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. Oh yeah, like it's like it's been that superb. <laughs> I regret it, even though I needed receiver help, and I got Brandon Cooks in that trade. Still, no. Like it really, like it really, you, you probably got the best player out of that deal, Brandon Cooks. Probably. Which is the craziest part. You know, this is a week where I am just so happy that I was not in the playoffs. The one week I'm like, thank God, there's so many different decisions to think about. Like, listen, I understand I love winning more than anybody, but there was just so many different factors that went into this where I could be losing due to such bullshit. See, I can't ever say that. I want to be in the playoffs regardless, regardless of any challenges that, that come my way. And I cannot wait for the curveballs, screwballs, sliders, change-ups that are thrown at me this week. It's going to be all off speed. I feel it. Feel it in my bones. All right, then. Any other running backs you want to talk about? Uh, Zeke looked good. Zeke looked good. I think you could start him with a fair amount of confidence versus uh, versus the Cardinals. Oh, uh, Devin Singletary. I almost forgot to mention. Yeah, I was dead dead wrong about Singletary this week. He uh, he continued to be the lead guy for for Buffalo, so he probably will move up a fair bit for me in my ranks this week, and I think he may be borderline top twenty four play for me. He's had a nice streak of uh, double-digit fantasy games going. He had 14.9 against Tampa Bay, 16.6 against Carolina, and now 18.8 against New England. Yeah, yeah. And and he's going up against Atlanta next week. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, and I'm facing uh, the one championship man. I'm facing Josh Allen. So, God almighty. That's just that just screams horror and torture. The Atlanta Falcons allow an average of twenty five point nine fantasy points to running backs. Oh, to running backs. We're talking about quarterbacks. All right. Well, I'm not oh. facing Singletary next week, so at least I don't think I don't think he is Singletary. I hope he doesn't. Although, actually, did you want to talk about this game? Which game? The Lions Falcons wasn't there something interesting that you wanted to talk about? Oh no 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 no! We're we're going to talk about it going through to the to the receivers. Oh, oh I didn't forget. Oh, okay, I did not forget. Believe me. I wonder who you're going to talk about. I don't know, Adam. What am I going to talk about? 
I don't know. Maybe is it Russell Gage? Is it? Oh, I can't name any of the receivers on the on the Lions. Um, <laughs> is it Kyle Pitts? Nope. Nope. And nope. No, I know. I know who it is. It's Amon Ross St. Brown. My guy. My guy. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. Even with Tim Boyle, Amon Ross St. Brown managed to be wide receiver six on the week. Dude's unbelievably talented. Unbelievably talented. Crazy week for receivers. Crazy week for receivers. Yeah. Yeah. A crazy, crazy week for receivers. You had. Isaiah McKenzie as the wide receiver four. Byron Pringle as the wide receiver seven. Uh, Malik Turner managed to be a top 20 receiver on the week. So, I mean, a lot of these these under-the-radar sort of guys that just ended up uh, having big-time, big-time roles. K.J. Osborne as well, if you if you started him. K.J. Osborne, you know, now is, is he's back to being fantasy relevant with the uh, re-injury for Adam Thielen with, with, with his ankle. So if you're looking for receiver help, KJ Osborne could be uh, could be a nice little nice little play there. But I mean, there's one place to start. And, and, Our favorite and, receiver being wide receiver one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, T Higgins. It wasn't it again. It wasn't that we that we didn't love T Higgins the player. It was that we didn't <laughs> like T Higgins where he was being drafted. And if we look at the beginning of the season with T Higgins and his overall numbers T Higgins at the beginning of the year was okay at best was not worth a guy that you were going to spend a sixth, seventh round pick on. Especially since he didn't play. Right. Didn't, he didn't, didn't play, play for two out of three weeks. Yeah. Correct. But yeah. then, but then you look at the last four out of five weeks, a hundred yards, in four of five, has four touchdowns in those five games. He's been unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. And again, he has a great matchup in a in a game where there should be lots of points when the Bengals host the Kansas City Chiefs. T. Higgins is not the number two in this offense. I, I, I want to be very, very clear about this. T. Higgins is not the number two. He's the 1B to Jamar Chase's 1A. There's two number one receivers in this offense. They're going to get the same amount of love. And Joe Burrow is finally starting to do a really, really nice job of spreading the ball around, getting all of his receivers involved. And I know it's nice for him to target Jamar Chase, a guy that he's, that he's buddies with, but you have to be able to spread the ball around. And that's what he's finally starting to do. And, and I, I give Joe Burrow credit that he's starting to do that with a bit more frequency. And it's really showing because T. Higgins, he he was a weak winner. He was a weak winner at the at the receiver position. I think a lot of people just kind of said after Thursday with AJ Brown. By the way, a start for me in the uh, in the birds test column this week. Thank you very much. And after Devontae Adams on Saturday with uh, two thirty point performances from from them, that oh no one was going to even top that. And T. Higgins, I mean, forty three points. 194 yards, two touchdowns, 12 catches. An unbelievable day. An unbelievable day from, from T. Higgins. And I, I give I get the Bengals full, full, full credit because they've done a really, really nice job, I think, of, of really growing into a, a competent football team. And I still don't take anything back to what I said about Zach Taylor. I, I still think Zach Taylor is uh, 
he's not the best coach around. I think it really helps you with the players that Zach Taylor has at his disposal, but they've done a nice job in terms of rebuilding that team. And now they look, they look really, really strong in, in what I believe is a pretty thin AFC in terms of top tier teams. It's the chiefs and it's everybody else. I think you got to put the Bengals in that mix of like who could be a team outside of the chiefs that can win the AFC and get to the Super Bowl. I think the chiefs probably uh, the, not the Chiefs, the Bengals are probably in that discussion outside of Kansas City. I have a question for you, Bird. Yeah. And laugh at me all you want. Okay. But are you starting Braxton Berrios in fantasy championships? It's not a crazy thought, honestly. And I give I give credit to Jake because he, he did call this on the mailbag last week, and I did laugh at him. And now we've had two straight games of Braxton Berrios being productive. It comes with Jameson Crowder being out. It comes with Corey Davis remaining out. There's Elijah a, Moore. And Elijah Moore as well. Yeah. But Elijah Moore looks like he's going to be back this week, from what I understand, that he'll be he could be activated. I would say, I would say this in the deepest of leagues, yes. Deeper leagues, you could start Braxton Barrios. But if you are in a 12 or shallower, I would say probably avoid Braxton Barrios. I understand. I completely understand that. But also, as much, I mean, as, much yeah. as Adam would love, love to start Braxton Barrios. I would. I mean, he's a great, he, he's a solid gadget player, weapon. He's a cool guy. I mean, he, and his outfit for the uh, post-game press conference, he's wearing like a, a reindeer jumpsuit with a Santa hat on. Very festive. Very, very, very festive. I, I, I do agree. And, you know, you always love the threat of the special teams touchdown. I mean, Braxton Berrios is a great kickoff returner. He is. He is. Before we move on to uh, to tight ends, and we'll get out of here because we are running a little long on this episode. Um, Adam, you want you, do you want to apologize to me now or later about uh, all the Antonio Brown slander? I will never apologize to you. Antonio Brown's a piece of shit. Antonio Brown is absolutely incredible. I love him, and I hope he scores next week in the Jets. I. I want it more than anything. If I was Rob Sala, hopefully Rob Sala is able to get better and coach next game. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. But if I'm, if I'm Rob Sala, I will tell Bryce Hall and Javelin Gidry or Brandon Eccles, whatever you do, do not let that man score. I don't care if you have to take his head off. I don't care if you have to, commit the most heinous defensive pass interference in history. Do not let that man score. Can I have a, uh, before we move on to the tight ends, can I have a quick stat prediction on Tom Brady's line for this game versus the Jets? One for 20, 25 yards, zero touchdowns, four picks. My father's actually going to the game. He's going to the game and he is sitting right behind the, Buck sideline, and he will be wearing his Tom Brady jersey. So, okay, he's very excited, very, very, very excited. Good for him. MetLife Stadium is very nice. It's very nice, very nice. I love MetLife. Love MetLife. Been to many concerts there. I've unfortunately only been to one Jet game because it's a pain in butt. It's a pain in the butt to get there. It's a great stadium, but it's a pain in the butt to get there. Yeah, I think the one. The one football game that I've seen there, no, I've seen two. I saw the Cowboys and Giants, and then I saw 
the Jets Giants in the preseason. This is probably like 10 years ago, something like that. Yeah, I went actually, I went like the year that it first opened. So it's probably even nicer than when I went. It's very nice. Very nice. The facilities are, are very nice. Very it wasn't even clean. called MetLife Stadium when I went. It was the was new it, Meadowlands. Was it the new Meadowlands still? Yeah. Because it was the first year that it opened. So that right. game, I'm sure I've told you, it was the Jets-Texans game. Yep. Where, yeah, Mark Sanchez with like 16 seconds left threw the ball to Braylon Edwards, basically across the field, and Santonio Holmes with the game-winning touchdown. Fun stuff. And you were there, you were there to see it. And I was there to see it. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. It was great because we all thought, because the Jets were getting killed the entire game. It was classic, classic Jets game. The Jets were getting killed all game, and then they just wake up in the fourth quarter. And they're like, oh, wait, we have to win now. Right, we're we're going to win. Football. We're playing oh, football. Right. But I don't know if that's, that's – that's like old school Jets, because now new school Jets is they get their asses kicked for three quarters, and they realize, oh, shit, we're in the fourth quarter. We have 50 minutes left in this game. Let's just get off the field and do everything in our power to make sure that we don't absolutely get obliterated even further. Well, that was the year that the Jets were actually good. True. When it, it was the last year the Jets were – well, eh, 2015. But before that, fair. the last year the Jets were actually good. Fair. Uh, anyway, so the tight ends. I mean, Mark Andrews. What a run for Mark Andrews. I love I regret, that. I regret every bad thing I've ever said about Mark Andrews. And that's shit. I had him last year, and he didn't do any of this for me. I have, a, I have a brand new draft philosophy that I am going to be following next year. It is Mark Andrews. Where, wherever I have Mark the opportunity to take Mark Andrews, I will be taking Mark Andrews. The dude is a cheat code. Flat out is a cheat code. He's the number one tight end. He's going to finish as the number one tight end in fantasy. I mean, in a league or in a week without Travis Kelsey. Yep. Mark Andrews has made the tight end position look pretty nice, pretty good. Yeah. good yeah he's gonna finish the number one tight end granted and before before anybody says oh it's not a real number one tight end he's gonna play more games than travis kelsey mark andrews is the number one tight end before travis kelsey went out with covid just want to put that out there this week did not make mark andrews the tight end one he was the tight end one before this not to burst anyone's bubble, but Travis Kelsey has been having a kind of an un. You've been kind of disappointed as a Travis Kelsey owner, especially if you picked him in the first round. There are some weeks where you were like, "Oh fuck, why did I do this to myself?" I got a fourth round pick for. Him. Very happy, very happy with that. The two players that I traded for third, for third, fourth, sixth round picks, missed. Week 16, Austin Eckler and Travis Kelsey. I'm a sorcerer, Adam. I looked into the crystal ball and I saw it. I saw yeah. all of this transpiring. But Travis Kelsey just hasn't been himself this season. I think the rest of the league has kind of figured out the Chiefs a little bit. That's not to say that the Chiefs are going to be terrible. I'm not saying that. But I just think the rest of the league has just figured out what the Chiefs are and what they like to do. Yeah, I would say that. Talent also wins out, and there's no denying that Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Holmes are uberly talented. 
but the rest of the league has figured it out and they're going to go up against teams that know how to shut that down. Yeah. But Mark Andrews, absolutely terrific. You're going to start him next week with a supreme amount of confidence. Much of the same can be said about Zach Ertz. Something tells me that Zach Ertz is going to score against Dallas in Dallas. It's just written in the stars. It's written in the stars that he's going to have a, a big, if not monster game versus Dallas. So if you have Zach Ertz in a fantasy championship, start him, start him. And he'll be ranked highly for me just, just because of that. If not uh, nothing else, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts. I know for Zach Ertz though, the last time that he was in Dallas, which was a couple weeks ago, or like 10, 10 or 13 weeks ago when he was a member of the Philadelphia Eagles, he scored 15.3 fantasy points. There you go. There you go. I, ex- I do expect Zach Ertz to score in this game, but Kyle Pitts, his third hundred yard game of the year, 16 fantasy points for him. Do not expect this going forward. If you still have Kyle Pitts and you're alive, I commend you. You, you get a gold star for that. Cause you have just done unreal managing. But outside of that, I can't trust Kyle Pitts in fantasy championships. I can't trust him ever. He's the TE5 currently. On the week. Yep. Before before uh, before Monday. No, I mean, no. Oh, like, on the season. On the season, yeah. yeah. He's He's been consistent. He's been consistent. I'll give him that. But it's just the, the ceiling, that, which, which is what a lot of people expected, just hasn't been there with, with Pitts. He's a tight end four on, on the week before, before Monday night. Yes, he had two consecutive pretty good game, like really good games against the Jets and Dolphins on either side of the bye. And then that was basically kind of it. It's been pretty mediocre ever since. Yeah, yeah, it has. So um, also, I mean, I don't know. There really isn't much for tight ends. I mean, I'm surprised, frankly, that you didn't even mention future New York Jets tight end, Dalton Schultz. He's going to get the bag in free agency. He's going to. He's going to, and Dallas is not going to give it to him. You you signed the wrong player to a really big extension. I think Blake well, Jarwin is still good. I think he's still good, but yeah. Yeah, we should be giving $6 million to uh, Dalton Schultz and not Blake Jarwin. Sucks. Sucks. Well, who would have known? If, who would have known that Dalton Schultz would be such a great tight end? Um, he's very safe. Very safe. It's good hands. Good in the run game. Good blocker. And he's the ultimate Dak Prescott safety blanket. But yeah. again, this is Dak. This is this is what my guy does. He learned he learned how to throw tight ends from from the best of them, Tony Romo himself. Tony Romo created a Hall of Fame tight end. Don't you dare get that mistaken. I don't know. I mean, Jason Witten's a pretty solid tight end. a pretty good tight end. Jason Witten is a very good tight end that Tony I think Romo, it, without Tony, Tony Romo, Romo helped create. Okay. Tony, Jason Witten, I love my guy Witt. Jason Witten was not a first-round pick. He was never a guy that people were looking at when he came out of Tennessee saying – Oh, yeah, that guy, Jason Witten, that guy's going to be a future Hall of Famer. This guy could be a future All-Pro. He was taking the third round. So third round tight end. He was another guy that was like, oh, okay, he was taken. And turned out to be 
probably the definitely top five of one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history. I mean, that happens. I mean, who would have heard who's who heard of Travis Kelsey coming out of Cincinnati? Not many, not many who thought that again. he was going to be like the great, probably the greatest in his position. Then again, that, that also Travis Kelsey came from having two very, very good quarterbacks that, that helped him along the way in, in Alex Smith and, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And even Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews came out of nowhere in 2019 to having two. And now he's like one of the best tight ends in, in football. Yeah. Mark Andrews, I think is a little bit of the anomaly a little bit because it's like, He's with Lamar Jackson, who's not known for being a throwing quarterback, yet Mark Andrews just consistently produced with it. It's what Mark Andrews has done is quite frankly unbelievable. Yeah. It Mark Andrews is one of those guys that is in this system where it shouldn't work. There's no reason why it does work, but it does. And it's brilliant. Brilliant. I love him endlessly. I mean, a lot of the great tight ends came from were very unheralded not that a lot of the great tight ends in football they were not kyle pitts not even not even close they were not nope. drafted in the first round they were not like considered freaks of nature best to ever play they were guys like jimmy graham and antonio gates and tony gonzalez who played basketball gronk and gronk second round pick and mark andrews unheralded Travis Kelsey unheralded George Kittle. Who even, who even knew anything about George Kittle before 2018? Tight end you though. Yeah. Tight end you though. The, the, the fucking factory. TJ Hawkinson. TJ oh, Hawkinson is, a, is an example, I guess. Cause TJ Hawkinson was in a top, was a top 10 pick. Yeah. Yeah. First round pick. TJ Hawkinson. Same with Noah fan. Yeah. But anyway, any, Anywho, anywho. So, looking forward to previewing Fantasy Championship Week. Get ready! It's the last preview of Fantasy Twenty Twenty One coming on Thursday. Yep, it feels it feels like the season's just flown by, completely flown by. It has, it has, and, and again, get ready, get ready for uh, for the off season. There'll be a lot more. We do, we do not go away for the offseason. We're just scaling back for the offseason because after last year where we were doing episodes twice a week during the offseason, uh, we just can't be bothered by that anymore. We're fishing for content. So we'll be doing episodes once a week. Then Jake and I will be doing the Basement Talk podcast, and then there'll be a lot of a lot of other things that will be coming out over the span of the offseason on the Basement Talk podcast, family podcast, including the mailbag. The, yep. the mailbag. I keep I keep saying the mailbag when I mean to say the quiz potential. I, I I'm just not. You keep quiz getting me so excited. Yeah. I love the mailbag. I do I do thoroughly thoroughly enjoy the mailbag. But the quiz the quiz potential is we're going to be doing. I I my plan my grandmaster plan is to try and do the quiz potential at least once a month throughout throughout the course of of the off season, and that's going to start when we uh, get get to record the uh, year in review show, the 2021 year in sports show. So there'll be a lot coming out over the course of, uh, of the next couple months. And uh, yeah, hopefully so we do more mailbags. I hope we do more mailbags because those are the great, those are great. Yeah, we probably will. We probably will. We'll do, we'll, we'll probably have our fa- fair share of, uh, of mailbags over the, 
over the offseason, but probably probably not until in and around the draft, the NFL draft, not fantasy drafts, but in and around the NFL draft, just because I think after I know for me, after this fantasy season, I just want to like take a break from fantasy. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be about fantasy. It could just be about anything. True. 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 Because we've had mailbags about whatever, about like lit. We had mailbags of like what what's your go-to Christmas movie or something like that. I mean, we've got mailbags and Mount Rushmore's and all different types of things to fill content. Well, anybody, anybody that says anything other than their go hard, their, their go-to Christmas movie being anything other than Die Hard is out of, is out of their minds. Fun fact, before, before we go and wrap this up, uh, on Christmas Eve, I stayed up until 1.30 or so watching our favorite film, Adam. Our favorite film series, I should say. Oh, the Godfather. It's always around, it's always on around Christmas. Oh. Nope, not the Godfather. Austin Powers? No. I love Come Austin on. Powers. I love Austin Powers. Come on. Star Wars? Yes. Yes. Return. Oh. We decided we just decided in the in the middle, the midst of Drinking a shit ton, eating a shit ton that we needed to watch a good film. And between five bottles of bourbon taste testing and a little bit of brandy that we were going to plow out return. And it was beautiful. So are you still passed out on the couch at 10 o'clock? Like no, no, no. I actually survived this year. I actually survived this year because I paced myself. I really paced myself this year to try and avoid that. And I managed to succeed. And then after, after return, when we, when we just decided we're going to go to bed because we're too drunk and too exhausted, I went into my bed and I watched the Obi-Wan and Anakin lightsaber duel for probably the 100th time. That sounds day, like fun. That day. Just want to put it out there. That day. Sounds, sounds like fun. It's the best lightsaber duel of all time. Can't tell me otherwise. All right, well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.